You're listening to the GU Podcast with Megan and Jade. We'll be chatting about self-pleasure, mental health, careers, sex, relationships, and everything in between. Nothing is TMI, so strap in and strap on. Uh, welcome to another Girls Unhinged podcast. It's so great to be back um, and we hope everyone has been loving our episodes so far. Yeah, so at the time of us recording this, we've actually just recorded our one for the FIFO project. Yes. So this feels like the perfect time for us to now record our own FIFO episodes. Yeah, our FIFO episodes are going to probably be a bit of a ride. So it's probably going to be a two-parter again, just like the boys. Yes. Yeah. We do have quite a bit to unpack. Um, and like we've said on our Instagram, just because our experiences don't mirror someone else's, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's just our experience. We're not trying to put a negative spin on anything. Yeah, exactly. I think a little bit of education is good. So I think we'll start probably with um, our background because Jade and I definitely have def- different backgrounds when it comes to um, entering the FIFO industry. Jade started a little bit earlier than what I did. Um, and then we can probably kick off into... Yeah, GU and a few other different little topics that people have submitted over Instagram. Yeah, and just from our conversation, things that we find we talk we talk about quite a bit. Yeah, um, yeah, we both had quite different entries into FIFO because I started. I actually did FIFO for two years in a previous job um, at one of the companies that like looks after camps. Mm-hmm. So that was like cleaning rooms, which was disgusting. Like I could <laughs> tell you so many stories yep. about some of the gross shit in guys' rooms up there. I'll, that could almost be a poll, I reckon, on socials. Yeah, like a guess. Yeah. Guess the grossest thing. Yeah. I'll give you one though. <laughs> um, I didn't actually have to clean this room, thank God. But mm-hmm. some guy had obviously gotten too drunk at the wet mess and he had gone to sleep and he had shit the bed. Oh. And then wrapped it up in the sheet and then dumped it and then flew home. So, like, when we went in to clean it, this they picked it up and they were like, nope. So Dumped it where, actually? He, like, just dumped it on the bed. So he's, like, wrapped it up and then just, like, left his sheets and stuff on a ball in the bed. So, yeah, really gross. But But the thing is, like, we told our manager. Our manager told this guy's, like, contract supervisor. Um, and that guy actually got kicked off site, I think, because that is fucking disgusting. That is disgusting. Yeah. And the fact that like, okay, shit happens. Pun yeah. Unintended, <laughs> unintended. But like, I would have taken my sheets and my entire bedding out and like dumped it in a green bin out away from my room. Oh like, my God. I would have been so embarrassed. 100%. You wouldn't just leave it for someone. Animals, mate. That like, spiteful just leaving it in the center of a bed. Like, thanks for this day. Yep. Good luck cleaning that up. Just disgusting. It's fucked. Um, so yeah, I did that. Like room cleaning for two years and work behind the bar, which again, ah, oh, just some of the stories I could tell. I think I've blocked a lot of them out of my mind. Yeah. But then I took a break for about six months and I went back to childcare mm-hmm. and then saw the application for the job where we met. So all up, I did FIFO for about seven years. Yeah, right. So such a long time. I wasn't FIFO for quite a while. So I was um in a previous relationship and we just spontaneous, yeah, spontaneously thought, let's just move to Newman. I don't know why we thought that was a glorious idea. I remember searching because I've been on a lot of road trips with my mum and I remember as a child going through Newman and remembering it to be an absolute shithole. Like I did not have, (laughs) I didn't think of Newman and think, oh, paradise. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, we spontaneously moved there and my first job there was like at a vehicle rental company in the office. So it was like a very soft landing job yeah. going into Newman in terms of the living conditions and the heat and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, after I was there for about a year, I quit. And then I was unemployed for probably a couple of months. And then same thing. I saw the job advert come through for um, our mining job and just thought, bugger it. I've got nothing to lose. <laughs> also, I don't have any money. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of just going to yeah. wing it. Um, and yeah, my mining industry kicked off from there. But um, yeah, I think it's cool that we're able to give two different perspectives because you've only been FIFO, whereas I lived up there for a while and was only yeah. FIFO for a couple of years. Yeah, you were residential for a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the fact that we um, sort of face the same things, it just, I don't know, it just shows that it's not just FIFO culture, like it's just mining culture. That's true. Like. It's, yeah, yeah I th- we do say like, oh, it's FIFO culture, but you're right, like the residential people same deal shit. with the same shit. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Had you like, when you moved up there, was your intention like, I'm going to get into one of the mining companies? Like, did you ever think you would go FIFO then after being residential? Or like, did you think you were going to live in Newman forever? I had no idea what I was expecting, to be honest. And I think because I went up there not by myself, it, yeah. it was like really, I didn't really know. I think if I went up there alone, I would have had more of a set plan. But um, I almost went up there thinking like, this is probably going to be me now for quite some time. Like I'll have a family up here type thing. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I remember Googling Newman and it popped up on Google Maps and it just said like, fuck the police. And it was like spray painted on the main <laughs> strip entering to Newman. And I was like, oh my God, what have I agreed to? Wow. <laughs> You're like, um, I've made a mistake. Yeah. Um. But honestly, like minimum wage in Perth when you're a bit younger too hits you hard, especially when you want to move out of home Yeah, and start doing those like grown-up-y type things. And then you realise, oh, like I'm going to be left with $25 after I pay my rent. <laughs> when you, It's such a shock to go from living with your parents and not paying any bills. You're so excited to like move out of home and do your own thing. All of a sudden you're paying bills and you're like, what the fuck? Like how did my mm-hmm. parents afford to pay a mortgage? to give us food, to buy shit for us, Mm -hmm. to, like, pay all these bills. It's just blew my mind when I moved out of home. So, yeah, minimum Mm -hmm. wage doesn't cut it. Yeah, 100%. It shows, like, how uncomfortable you're willing to, like, put yourself into certain situations just to get a little bit more money. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, really? (laughs) Really just throwing myself into the deep end here (laughs) for some extra cash. Oh, were you um living with your parents up until you were doing FIFO? Like when you took your break and went into childcare, were you living at home? Um, God, I'm trying to remember because I like moved out of home and back home a couple of times yeah, okay. when I was like in my early 20s. I think I did move back home when I got my um the second time I started FIFO, I moved back home. Mm-hmm. Because I was like living with mates and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to move back home because it's going to be easier. I'll be able to save up more money because I'm not paying rent. But then um, stupidly decided that, oh, I'm on FIFO money. Let's (laughs) build a house. Because it was like all of a sudden I had this money instead of doing the smart thing and like saving for a few more years. Yeah. So moved home, FIFO, built my house, then moved into my own place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was living at home the entire time. So I think that was probably another thing. I was just ready to just get the hell out of like my family house. Yeah. 
like Newman. Love it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> like, I don't know, we talk bad about Newman. There are some nice towns up there. Yeah. Newman just isn't it. I think because it's like just in the middle of nowhere. There's no water around it. Like when you're in Headland or Caratha. Yeah. And there's any, I mean, when I was up there, there weren't any places you could go and just sort of like walk around town. Do you know what I mean? When you go to Port Headland or Caratha, you have, you can just go to the shopping center and walk. And even if it's just around Kmart, it's still like you're getting out the house. Yeah. But the best Newman had at the time was our Woolies. <laughs> yeah. They've got a fancy dome now. They do. They do. Yeah. Which is a long time coming. I'm glad that they have that for the community now. Do you remember the like interview process? for the jobs we got into because that was stressful man like that was a group interview and it was so intimidating I always wondered what it was like for you guys because us resos we were shortlisted and then we got flown to Perth and we got put up in these beautiful apartments and it was all paid for and we got a (laughs) meal allowance and I was already feeling like a queen um and then we yeah did the interview and it was quite intimidating um but it was kind of cool at the same time because, like, we, I met heaps of people that were living in the same town as I was. And then um, we did, like, add each other onto Facebook. And it was a, it was a funny process in, like, um, they were only hiring one residential and one FIFO for each depot. I don't know if you remember oh, that sort yeah, of setup. I do. Um, so that happened for Port Hedland and it happened for Newman. Um, and, yeah, we all added each other onto Facebook. <laughs> and then one by one, week by week – one person would drop out the group chat. <laughs> yeah. Got the call, guys. It's not me. And then Aww. it came down to like me and two other girls. And um, I got the call one day when I was at a job that I was, that I took just to get some money and like fill in at the time. And um, yeah, they said that I was successful and I could come down and start like looking at company housing and stuff. And I just remember mm. thinking, oh, it's me. <laughs> you feel like you won the lotto though, right? I know. I know. And, um, but the, like, the pressure that I had to just then go into the group chat and be like, hey, guys, I got the job and they were going to know that it wasn't them. Yeah, and they're going to be like, well, we hate you now. Yeah, like mm, like small town. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like the group interview because like obviously there was so many people um, and it, it was obvious like I'm competing against these people for like a limited spot in this mm-hmm. traineeship. And I remember like um, we were all getting our name tags and like photos taken. So we're all just kind of mingling around and I was sitting with this one girl and she was going on about um, how her dad was like a manager or a supervisor at one of the other companies and like knew someone where we were going and she felt very confident that she was going to get a spot and like I admire her confidence but it felt like it was a bit of a tactic to kind of put others off and she didn't get the job and I was like (laughs) that was a lot of bragging like Mm-hmm. there is something to be said about being humble because all of that bragging and I expected to see her in the group. And when mm-hmm. I didn't, I was like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that um, from like people in the comp- like the big companies in general. Like the, it's like almost like the kids anticipate that they're just going to walk in yeah. and get it. And sometimes they do, but like other times it's kind of funny watching them have this confidence and they're like, oh, so you didn't get it. Yeah. Awkward. That's like. You can know a lot of people and sometimes that is the case. Like they all, people do say, oh, it's who you know. That can be true. But also it's just obvious when someone's not right for the job and mm-hmm. they aren't going to be able to be trained up to be right for the job. So 
um, yeah, that was quite interesting in the group interview. Oh, like it made me really doubt myself. So I was like, oh my God, like there's probably more people here that their family already works for yeah. the company. Like, am I just wasting my fucking time? Mm-hmm. I remember oh, I was so keen for the job that I rang the recruitment people. Yeah. Um, and at one point she told me, she's like, look, um, thank you so much. Like, I get that you're really keen, but we're still going through the process. So you will get, um, we will get in touch with you if you got the spot. In oh, other words, like, stop calling. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, like, I've just ruined it because I was just, like, way too keen to get it. But, yeah, then, like, I got the call while I was at work in childcare and I was, like, so excited. I was, like, in the break room, like, and I was like, oh, my God, yes. Yeah. And someone walked in. They were like, are you okay? I was like, yep, um, but I've got to talk to you guys. <laughs> yeah. I was the same when I was, um, yeah, at this fill-in job that I hated. I was... Hired as reception, but, like, I was never given any tasks to do except for, like, ordering stationery and the manager would come out and ask me to make him coffees on, like, the fully automatic coffee machine that the customers use and it used to fucking piss me off. I'm like, you can literally just take a couple extra steps and go make yourself a cup of coffee. I feel like that's a disgusting kind of, like, power move. Like, you're a young female. Yeah. Make me a coffee, even though I could make it myself. It was so fucked. And so... I saw my phone ringing and it was a private number and I had done the same thing as you. I had called like the company a couple of times like, hey, just checking on the progress because everyone tells you that's a good thing to do, right? Be proactive. Um, and then this yeah, private number was calling me. I'm like, I'm going to answer this. And I went to the toilet and I answered it. And that's when they told me that I'd got the job. And I walked out of that toilet so happy. I walked straight into the manager's office and I was like, I, I resign. Like, Make your own Do you want a letter? Do you want this in writing? He's like, no, it's it's good, man. Like, don't worry about it. I'm like, cool. Like, I'm out of here. You're like, bye. It's been it's been nice. Do you need me to show you how to make your own coffee? Yeah. Would you like me to show you how to push the button, or are we good? That yeah. Oh, unfortunately, that's still in workplaces. 100%. Weaponized incompetence. Um. So when you were told that you were successful and you were all geared up with a new uniform, <laughs> your crisp. <laughs> uniform and your stiff boots yeah um what was it like being up there for the first time because we all had like a training session and put headland together as a group yeah um, what was going through your mind because i had already done fifo i was wasn't nervous about the fifo portion of it but i was nervous about going up there and seeing who else had gotten the traineeship and then like because i think we got told what sites we were going to Mm -hmm. Um, but I was like, well, I don't know what that site's going to be like because all of our training is happening in Headland. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I thought it was like very nervous, like getting off the plane and stuff. But once we got there and we all started chatting, I was like, oh, this is like a really good group of trainees. Like they've picked really well. And that first two weeks was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I felt the same. Um, I did have to laugh though because um, something happened with the organization of, I don't know if they were planning on maybe like flying me to Headland at some point, like in some way, I don't know what happened, oh. but I ended up um, being picked up by my supervisor that was going to be in Newman and he drove me to Port Headland. And for those of you that aren't aware of like the logistics over here in WA, um, from Newman to Port Headland was a four and a half hour drive and I had never <laughs> met these men before. Um, so they picked me up at like six o'clock in the morning and oh I had God. my suitcase and they were like, it was just this introduction of like our entire lives while we're in the car. And the all, like every bone in my body wanted to fall asleep. <laughs> Yeah. You know, on a long drive, I'm just like, I just want to sleep. And like my eyes are popping out of my head, like, stay awake, Megan, stay awake, Megan. Like, don't fall asleep in the back of a car with your supervisors 
in the front. Like, don't leave such a shitty impression. I wonder um, how yeah. they felt. Like, I wonder if they found out last minute that they had to drive you to Headland. I feel like that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, because, awkward. yeah, it was, it was awkward all around. And we will just try to make the best out of a <laughs> weird situation. Because you were in Newman, did you meet any of your crew before you went to Headland? No. So my first interaction with anyone um, was when they picked me up and then when I saw you guys in Headland. So yeah, no interaction with anyone. It was very odd. Um, So I was just like, oh my God, what is this job? (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) If you're looking for a toy that can be used solo or with a partner, you need to check out the Black Widow. She's sleek. She's sexy and proof that good things come in small packages. And that's why we're offering our listeners 20% off. Simply head over to our website, add to cart and put the code GU podcast for that sweet discount. You can thank us later. So I know for me anyway, uh, halfway through the training session, a few things started coming up (laughs) that made it a little bit obvious that maybe um, they were really excited to have these new trainees, majority being female, um, we have already spoken about this in the FIFO project briefly as well. Um, but for me, it, yeah, it became very obvious that maybe they didn't have all the facilities that we were maybe going to need. And that did act like it added a bit of extra stress for me personally anyway. How did you feel about that? Yeah, that like worried me because I didn't think they'd have toilets everywhere, but I assumed that there would be some facilities like not just at the camp. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, realising that I was going to have to get comfortable peeing in the bush with, like, my crew of guys, I was nervous. And then when I started thinking about periods, because I was on the pill, but I was wanting to come off of it because I just didn't like what it was doing to my body. And I was like, fuck, like, do I need to stay on the pill now? Like, how am I going to manage this? But, yeah, yeah, it made me think, like, what the fuck? What are we doing? I know it was said to me in the interview and again by this, my supervisors driving to Headland that I was going to be in a really isolated, remote type of job. Um, I don't think I anticipated how isolated it was going to be. And I think in my mind, yeah, I did have, like I did vision, maybe there were going to be like crib huts spaced up and down track. And then, you know, we just have to drive to a toilet. Like that's no big deal. But then when I actually got there and I was like, oh no, I've actually got to shit in a bush. <laughs> Um, in front of everyone that was I was like this is raw I think there was only one time wherever like I was like I don't have a choice I have to shit in the bush now <laughs> like there was only one time where I was like no I can't like this is happening and I was just like I drove far away I made sure that the car had toilet paper mm-hmm. and I just found like I think it was like a stack of sleepers just to try and hide in but like getting there I had to go off-road a little bit because I was like I'm not doing this yep. near one of the roads no, <laughs> like it's I not totally happening get it. I um also remember being really not scared but for the first time I was up there without like my partner at the time without any sort of um support or knowing anyone and so I was really trying hard to make friends with the people in the trainee group which yeah. was really new for me um so I know like you, me, a couple of others, you know, we went to the beach a few times and we tried socializing oh, right. quite a bit. Yeah. Which was nice. Yeah. Um, and I think it made it a lot easier moving forward when we went to training sessions. Like we just had that background, I guess. Yeah. That bit of rapport, which was nice. Um, and then obviously the adding of everybody on Facebook and then it was like <laughs> one big family and it was fine. But yeah, no, that was a really interesting time. Sometimes I, in my phone pops up the pictures of our like two week training sessions and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, like 
holding so, a sledgehammer for yeah, the first time. Such good memories. Like I, we had such a good group of people. I know those really sweet memories pop up on my Facebook, and then. A few weeks later, it's like smashing Jade's meat box at the kebab shop. <laughs> that one always comes up. And I remember us going to, was it Water? Oh, Harbour Town? Harbour Town then, oh. yeah. Now it's Water Town. It's been like seven years and it still pops up. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> moist. <laughs> so like talking about like just meeting each other and the other trainees, which felt like it felt pretty chill. Mm-hmm. How was it for you when you actually got back down to site and then you met your crew for the first time? Um, I, yeah, okay. So my, it was mixed for me in Newman and I say that purely because when I got there, it was very 50-50 with um, contractors and company yep. full-timers. Um, we had a lot of work going on. My very first swing as well, um, I got driven down to like the furthest limit marker that we covered down track and it was in the middle of a shutdown and it was basically like I'm so sorry Megs like I'll come find you I'll give you an intro with everyone um jump out and just like the boys will take care of you and here's me with my crisp uniform and my fucking bucket hat and my really clean esky (laughs) and my you know those I don't know if you got one but those massive drink bottles oh my god the 10 liter ones 10 liters which uh, look further down the line we realized we absolutely need 10 liters it's like it's an integral part of your survival out there. But when it is a super clean barrel with Megan written on it in your permanent <laughs> Sharpie, um, it's not a vibe. It's embarrassing. Yep. I was shook. I didn't know what the hell to do. I didn't know who to go see. Um, so that was like my first oh my day or two. Yeah. And because it was a shutdown down track, you know, we were driving from home straight out to the shot and then driving straight home. So I actually didn't have a whole like intro for the first couple of days. Yep. Um, but after that, it was really good. Like we were just working locally um, and I met everyone and everyone was super lovely. I could tell that there was a little bit of tension around a few people that had been there yeah. for quite a while. Um, didn't read into it too much though. You know, like we've spoken about before, I didn't really go into this job with any sort of reservations that I was going to be treated any differently or anything like that. I was pretty naive. So I just kind of brushed it off. Um but yeah, I think I gelled better at the time with the contractors. Yeah. They were a little bit younger. They were way more approachable. They didn't have this sort of, and obviously I didn't have context at the time, but um, they didn't have this sense of like, um, they're only going to teach me half the task. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, I felt like some of the full-timers didn't want to teach me fully the task because it's like they were, they were scared I was going to take their job or something, like, yeah. uh, which I hated. Um, so I did, yeah, fully admit, like I probably did hang out with the contractors a little bit more. They're just, I don't know, a good time for me in my depot. Yeah, more approachable probably. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Um, it's actually really hard to remember what it was like because I don't, my intro to my crew was not as hectic as yours. Like <laughs> I didn't get dumped into a shutdown. Um, like I'm pretty sure my supervisor at the time like kind of had like a bit of a meeting with everyone to like introduce me mm-hmm. and to introduce them to me and I remember being told that they had like I had a buddy so like they were going to pair me up with someone and this guy was reluctant like I definitely got the vibe that he didn't want to like be the one to mm-hmm. kind of take me under his wing um and later on like I ended up having like a really good friendship with him but it was 50 50 for me as well like some of them were really like 
cool with it and yep. they were like very like embracing and approachable and then others were very standoffish um there was one older guy that like kind of took me under his wing a little bit and he had like a daughter that was like maybe 14 or 15 mm-hmm. so I think he was a bit like you know if this was my daughter up here I would want someone to look after her yep. and he's like such a lovely man um but it took a while to warm up like and get a good relationship with everyone and it wasn't until I'd been there a while that they started talking about what the process was like on their end so like for us it was exciting like oh my god I've got this job I'm jumping in here um but to kind of have those conversations and understand that they had just been told you're getting female trainees it is what it is suck it up and they had their reservations which some of them were stupid like um they just didn't think chicks could do the job mm-hmm. yeah but other ones like they were like oh you know what if we're alone with them and like we touch their arm um and they report us for sexual harassment when that wasn't our intention at all so that made a lot of them nervous and I was like, well, mm-hmm. if you're not doing anything creepy and someone misconstrues that, like, that's really shit and I hope that doesn't happen. But, yeah. like, man, like, ending up the banter that I had with those guys, I was just like, you have to be that kind of person where, like, someone, like, giving you a pat on the back, like, yeah, well done, like, you fucking killed it. You're not going to turn around and go, like, oh, my God, don't touch me. Like, yeah. that's sexual harassment. Um, 100%. Because for them it's like – you are a family up there, but mm. I reckon it took like a full, at least a year before yep. I got a really good relationship with everyone. And that first crew was amazing. Like yeah. I had such a good time. Yeah. That was the same actually. Um, I do remember them saying, you know, oh yeah, when you girls came on, uh, we, we were spoken to like no swearing, no this, no that. And they were like, <laughs> it's really hard to go from a male, like a fully male team like we swear like it's just rolling off our tongue like that's our language like we're not telling you like your shit like that's just our language um and yeah and you know that's sort of our our banter and just to be told like okay as of tomorrow it's no more they were really stressing and I do empathize with that like I completely get it um I don't even think I could go a day without (laughs) being clean and like completely appropriate to be completely honest with you so I get it I'm pretty sure I've been swearing on all of our episodes, so no way can we go a day with it. Yeah, no way. So you were saying with your experience that you had uh, a couple of the guys that didn't want to share their knowledge. Mm. I had a couple of guys like that and it really frustrated me because I wasn't here to steal a job. I wasn't here to try and take anything from them, but they just didn't want to share. Like I would ask them a question, they'd be like, I don't know. I'm like, you obviously do know, like, Mm -hmm. don't be like that. Like, I can't do my job. I can't get better if you actually don't give me the information. Like, I'm not here to do anything insidious. And one of the guys, it took, I reckon it took like two and a half years to crack him. And he was like one of those miserable guys. And it just took so long to kind of be able to like chat to him. Mm. It's like, and you laugh about those things now and you can say, oh, I cracked him. But like. You shouldn't have to. I hundred percent. If I, sh- I went back there now, I'd be like, "You're a fucking idiot!" Like, if you don't give someone a chance and you just write them off or you give them a stink attitude from the get go, <laughs> I'm like, "It's like grow up." I think there was a lot of pressure on us, though. Like, I know that I felt I had to prove myself yeah. and like to prove myself to the crew, but also to myself that I could do this job. And I think that's where it come from. Where now you're right. If I went back up, it'd be like, "Fuck you!" Then, like, if mm. you don't want to give me the time of day and you want to have this attitude, that's on you. But yep. back then I was young, I was nervous and it was like, yeah, it's shit that I had to crack him. Yeah. But unfortunately, um, 
that's just the kind of person he was. I remember um I remember vividly the day where our all of our contractors in Newman were let go and they were told that they were no longer needed. That was um, rough when that happened. I was devastated. Like and their flight that left and took them all away was like in the middle of the day. So what the hell? yeah, we all did pre-start together. They packed all their bags and their belongings in the car. We went out and did switch maintenance. And then halfway through the switch maintenance, they all left. That's so shit. And I was felt like I was grieving someone that had died. I was like, oh my God, all my friends are gone. And I was genuinely worried, which says a lot about like some of the culture that we're speaking about, about some of them only wanting to teach you half of the task. Yeah. Because the first thing that ran through my mind was like, holy shit, who's going to teach me how to like OxyCut and like flashbot world and all this kind of stuff. I was like, these are these are the things that like the contractors had taken me under their wing um and just taught me because they were like, that's what you're here for. Um and now they were gone and I was just devastated. I'm like, goodbye to all my friends. I remember that happening because we had a couple of contractors at our site and it was it was like heartbreaking because they were such lovely guys. Mm-hmm. Um and they were so easy to get along with. One of them had a great like friendship with him and he had so many years of experience he was like happy to just share all his knowledge Mm -hmm. and yeah when they left it was like what the fuck like what do we do now I didn't know what to do with myself I used to like because I was living in Newman I used to cook for some of them when it was their birthdays I would bring in cakes and stuff like yeah I don't know it was it was like saying goodbye to my yeah my family up there and I think that's probably the when it sort of all shifted like I had friends in the full-timer group as well but it was just never the same I don't know and then they moved the contractors around as well like they yeah. brought some back moved them around yeah when that when that happened because the redundancies happened not long after that yeah. wasn't it yeah that's when things um yeah shifted for me too yeah. yeah definitely um I just popped into my head I also did have a buddy um and he was the nicest old man oh yes <laughs> um and yeah he was just so amazing but um yeah same thing like the redundancies went through we lost our contractors and like he went with the redundancies and so there was just like a lot of shift I reckon when we were there that we had to deal with on top of also our like learning and development yeah it was a lot to take in and like okay maybe people joke about women being more emotional but (laughs) that was losing part of your family it was like fucking heartbreaking yeah and then the new ones come in you're like oh yeah we'll um yes we will get into all of that heavier stuff in the next part I think because that's also a lot that was an experience (laughs) um some of the good things about FIFO I mean it's not all doom and gloom and we've said on our socials that we're not here to spit on FIFO but we think it's important that people have the females in particular I think have like the tools and the education to go up there and thrive in whatever environment they're choosing to be in. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I don't know, are there any key positive highlights that you can draw from your experience? Um, I think I wish someone had just told me the realities of FIFO. Like, yes, the lifestyle can be good, but you're up there. You know, they essentially become your other family. You spend so much time with them. So you've got to be like, you've got to be someone with a thick skin. And I know people really don't like it when you say that. Like. You shouldn't have to have a thick skin, but FIFO is not easy. Mm. Um, I would just say as well, like, I wish I'd gone up there with a plan, especially financially, and I wish I'd gone up with a goal of where I wanted my career to go in FIFO because 
I felt very lost. Um, it was hard to really know where I wanted to go. So mm-hmm. I just kind of, you know, got there with a career go- goal, got up there with a financial goal. And, you know, that kind of makes it a little bit easier when you're heading towards something and you don't just kind of flounder. Yeah, absolutely. I think I literally probably would have seen if I have my time again, go see a financial advisor oh, and be like, when yeah. I'm on this amount of money, like, what do you think I should do yeah. with it? Um, I mean, it's not like the booming money that they were on back in the day in the FIFO boom, but it's still good money. And yeah, I mean, you think, I mean, I thought I was doing the right thing by buying a house <laughs> and doing this and doing that. Yeah. I very quickly learned, like, I mean, I bought a house and then I was living pretty much paycheck to paycheck for a long time, trying to yeah. furnish it, trying to do the gardens, trying to do this, trying to do that. And I'm like, have I t- like bitten off more than I can chew? Should I have just like, should I have just DMJ and be like, hey, man, do you want to be roommates for a while and like go rent an apartment? Like, that's what I we joke, maybe should have done. We joke about that, but I wish we had have done that. Yeah. Like, we could have had cats, a dog, yeah. and half the rent. Like, for <laughs> any of you ladies going into FIFO, if you are single and you also have a friend going into mm-hmm. FIFO, like, you know, rent a place together, save yep. as much money as you can. You know, not only will you have someone to hang out with when you're off, because that was another thing I, and I think you were the same, lived by myself and I was on my R&Rs, like, especially when I broke up with my partner at the time, Yeah, I was by myself and like all of your friends will work Monday nine to five jobs. You don't, you've got like weekdays off. So, you know, having FIFO friends and if you can live with a FIFO friend, like that's even better. 100%. I, yeah, we joke about that all the time, but I feel like that probably would have been the smarter option because we both ended up with just like half a million dollar houses and we sold them. Like we 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 don't even have them anymore. So I'm like, oh, it was just, I don't know. You think you're doing the right thing by not spending your money or not just letting it sit there and you invest it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there's so many things to sort of work through. And that's why we say like 100% go see a professional, go up there with a plan. Um, don't just wing it. And that's a big thing as well for like living in country towns, I noticed. Yeah. You have to have a plan. If you're going up there single, um, have a plan of how long you're willing to stay up there for. Um, if you're going up there with a family, it's a little bit different. I feel if I was to move up there now, like that I'm in a secure relationship and a baby on the way, it's probably a bit different. Like I would stay up there for a long time. Um, but there are people up there that swore on their mother's <laughs> grave that they were only going to be there for four years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to get my long service and fuck off. You and just reminded like, me of like the old person. 25 years later. Back in my day. <laughs> 40 years later. Oh. And they're still there now with their fourth jet ski, their oh sixth like, Land Cruiser Sahara. And I'm like, bruh, you are never leaving this town. Their big fuck-off <laughs> caravan. It's like, so you will die in the Pilbara. Yeah, you'll die here. You know um, what? If that's yeah. what you want to do, though, if you fucking yeah. love the Pilbara, go for it. But if you're going up there, you're like, and you get up there and you think, this is a shithole. <laughs> like Megan said, set yourself a goal. Even if it's like, I'm going to do this for five years and then yeah. I'm fucking leaving. 100%. Sorry for all the <laughs> Just very passionate. No, 100%. Because, yeah, that's like I went up to Newman thinking I'm going to save all this money. I mean, company housing, I get util allowances, all this kind of stuff. But then you realize because you're in the middle of nowhere, you need things to keep you entertained. And yeah. that's when people get the dirt bikes and mm. the jet skis <laughs> and the boats and caravans and all this stuff. And then you realize that you're not actually – like you're spending a lot more money than if you just moved 100%. to Perth and you just like walk to the beach yeah. down the road. Um. So yeah, you just got to be 
smart about it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, you know, FIFO has pros. It has cons. We're going to give you both. Um, <laughs> we're trying to give you pros now because we don't want you to think we're all doom and gloom, yeah. which sometimes we might come across as. <laughs> but we have had some people ask us and like a lot of people wonder the same thing. Are there any tips for getting into the mining industry? And for me personally, I don't really have any tips because it felt like luck of the draw. And I remember applying for so many goddamn jobs to get knocked back. Mm-hmm. And this just felt like a really lucky break. Um, I guess when I was in the interview, though, and they did say this in the interview, I'm not sure if you got it um, with yours. They're like, please be yourself. We can tell when mm-hmm. you're not. Like, we just want you to be yourself. So I tried really hard to be me, maybe a little bit more confident, but mm-hmm. not in an obnoxious or cocky way. Yeah. No, definitely. I 100% agree. Yeah, in my interview, like just reflecting on it, I feel like after talking to you guys and other people in the trainee group, I got maybe the more chilled people like in mind. I felt very lucky. (laughs) Um, So I had like a lot of genuine conversation um, generated in my interview, which allowed me to maybe relax a lot more than what I would have if they asked me some really intimidated questions. So I was really lucky. Um, But 100% be yourself. Especially in those niche roles, because if you take on the motto, I mean, like everyone fakes it till they make it, right? <laughs> but in those types of roles, I think it's better that you just be upfront and honest as to who you are, because um, I mean, you're going to figure out pretty quickly in those roles that you're not a good fit. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do need to have a bit of resilience about you and things like that. In terms of the, like getting into FIFO, very similar to Jade in that, um, yeah, I don't think I've got any <laughs> tricks for anyone. Like I apply for the job. I don't even think I um got past the full like assessment. I don't know if you got like this weird mathematical. Yeah, the weird, online one. Yeah, that was yeah. didn't complete it. Like I got halfway through and this is it timed <laughs> out. I'm like, wow. So they're gonna probably think I'm too much of a dumb fuck for this job now anyway. Um and then yeah, it completely surprised me when I got a job so I will a phone call back to say they wanted an interview. So um in that aspect, yeah, don't have anything special to say. Um, in terms of getting into the industry now, though, I think it's still good to try it if you really are hellbent on trying it. Um, but yeah, like we said, it's just important to go up there with a plan and not go with the flow. Yeah. Make sure that you go up there and, and know and know yourself enough as well. Like if it's not a good fit, like it's okay. Yeah. There's um a lot of people will say that their experience is amazing and that's probably true not everyone has the same experience um with FIFO or in the mining industry but you know go up there and if it isn't right for you that's okay like do not push yourself Mm -hmm. into a space where you get depressed because that 100% happens that's happened to us which we Mm -hmm. will like elaborate a bit more on yeah um with tips I think another thing I'd recommend now because it seems like everyone kind of as to is maybe getting your resume professionally done. Yeah. And uh, there's like someone that we know, so mm-hmm. industry resumes. Yeah, run by Kirsty. Yeah, so um, just a bit of a plug for Kirsty. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, girl. Yeah. But, yeah, like this obviously specifically for, like it says industry, so mm-hmm. looking to get into mining, maybe look at getting someone to help you with your resume for that. Yeah, definitely. Listen to some podcasts. FIFO Project is a great one. Obviously, follow us because we're not scared to give you the good and the bad as well. <laughs> yep. um, but yeah, just prepare yourself, I guess. And I think, I mean, I don't know if like this is the right thing to say or not, but 
when you talk about, you know, if you feel like it's not the right fit for you, that's okay. Like, don't be embarrassed. Don't feel like you failed. Like, it's not for everyone. But also, if you feel like it's not for you, don't try force other people into that box as well. I see yeah. it a lot up on site um, where, like, there are females going up there that are maybe um, – they're just, it's just not for them. The resilience isn't there for some of the areas that they're working in. They're not there for the banter. They hate it. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are some components I feel like that you just, if you can't get over it, it's not for you. Yeah. Like you can't get everybody else to conform to you. Like I feel yeah. like telling our crew, for example, no banter. Don't say the fuck word. Yeah. No, don't, don't, don't just say fuck. fuck. That's you can't, you can't tell people to do yeah. that. Like. You know, people should be allowed. Yes, everyone deserves to be comfortable and safe in yeah. the workplace. But that goes the other way as well. Like those people up there deserve to be able to have a laugh and a joke mm-hmm. and some banter. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes if you're too sensitive of a person, it just might not be the right environment for you. Yeah, absolutely. And like apologies if that does upset anyone, but that just is the reality. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a difference between being resilient and like, putting up with inappropriate behavior but you do yeah like you do have to have a little bit of a thick skin i think that's not us telling you to accept <laughs> like actually inappropriate behavior like yeah. 100%, bullying is different no bullying and banter are different and yeah. we understand that those lines sometimes seem blurred but um yeah like megan said have a bit of resilience you've got to be kind of a banter person as well actually a question that we don't have noted down is there anything that you can think of that you're just proud of that you had to go out I always reflect on this. I'm like, is there anything that now I'm out of the industry and I probably will never have the opportunity to do again? <laughs> oh, there's like probably a couple of things that I'm quite proud of. And like one of them was cutting rail with the rail saw like for yes. the first time and getting really good at it. Like yeah. actually being able to get through. Um, and man, that is a physical job. Like yeah. if I tried to do that now, I would probably die. 100%. But back then I was like, fuck yeah. Like. And having the guys hype me up, they're like, you can do this. I'm like, okay, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. What no. about you? I'm probably the same. I, I think I got on the rail saw for the first time on like my fourth or fifth day. Yeah. And I had one of the boys start it for me. And then they were like, you know, don't be scared. It's all good. <laughs> like, no, I was real. I was shitting myself. Yep. Um, but when I got through that bit of rail and I got through it in like a decent time as well, because that was always another thing, cutting rail. <laughs> like if you're at one side of the, like the bit of rail that you're cutting, and there wasn't someone else on the other side. You can see them from the corner of your eye and you're like, I can't take long yeah. cutting this rail. Like I have to <laughs> cut it in a good time. So yeah, doing it in like a good time was always a bit of a like, huh, I can do this yeah. kind of moment for me. Um, I think like doing extra things like oxy cutting. And then when I got my loader ticket, yes. I felt like a bad bitch when I got my loader ticket. Yep. Um, you know, like flattening the ground and like... <laughs> Getting a full bucket of ballast and stuff. I was just like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. Yeah, there's so many little things when you think back off. You're like, man, I'm so proud of myself. Like, I fucking got in there and I did it and I did a good job. Yeah, 100%. And I loved the persistence. I remember um, the contractors taking me out and I'll never forget what this guy said to me. Like, And I like love him to bits, but um, I remember doing an oxy cut for the first time and he comes up to me and he pats me on the back. He's like, Megan, because everyone else up there were like sugarcoat stuff for me. And he comes and he taps me on the back. Megan? That looks like a dog's breakfast, but it's only up from here. And I was like, thanks, man. <laughs> that looks like shit, but we're going we're gonna to get better. I was just like, okay. <laughs> At least he was honest and he still, like, gave you that encouragement. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, so I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we should be proud of and, like, being up there. Yeah. Well, 
that wraps up part one of our FIFO podcast. Part two, like we've said, is going to be where we delve into the other side. You know, we will be sharing some stories that could possibly be triggering. You know, this is the flip side for us. It isn't like the sunny positive side. Um, Yeah, it's going to be part two is going to be interesting for sure. Um, If there's anyone doing FIFO or thinking of FIFO, wanting to get into the industry, please remember our DMs on our socials are always open. We're mainly active on Instagram. So feel free at any point to um, yeah ask us any questions about the FIFO industry because we would love to chat. As always. Don't forget to follow our socials to stay up to date with everything GU. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So thank you so much for tuning in for part one of our FIFO episode. Uh, You've been listening to the Girls Unhinged podcast. (laughs)